Howdy folks, this is HedgePod, a podcast about how our mass media reinforces the cultural hegemony of the ruling class. I'm Jack, and my pronouns are they and them, but I'm also cool with he and him. I'm Nova, and my pronouns are he and him. I'm Jake, and my pronouns are he and him. I'm Gendo, and my pronouns are he and him as well. All right, we are uh, leftists here, so what we do is try to explain and explore the many ways that popular media is used to consciously and unconsciously enforce the ideology of the ruling class. So uh, cultural hegemony is a component of Marxist philosophy. Like I mentioned before, we're leftists. That means we have really radical views, like um, that toys are toys both for girls and boys. Uh, you know, just so whenever we're making takes and observations about the things that we see on the show, uh, just be aware that it's coming from that sort of lens and mindset. So what we've been doing lately is uh, watching sitcoms, and we've been uh, discussing the the cultural norms and mores that are presented um, through through our the sitcoms that we watch. We're going to continue that trend with an episode of The Good Place. Uh, we're going to be talking at season one. Episode 3, this one aired in 2017, and I'm really interested to see how this one goes, because it's sort of a, uh, I kind of presented as sort of a liberal, per- progressive sort of show too, and I don't remember uh, what this one is actually about. Yeah. Before I go on here, I want to just inform everyone that this show is going to contain massive spoilers for The Good Place. It's a very, very recent show, it's on Netflix. Uh, so just be aware of that before you continue. We are going to spoil the ever-loving shit out of this show. And uh, I'm interested to see what your take was on this, Gendo. We were talking about this earlier, kind of what the show's generally about. Yeah, so the uh, show basically takes place in the afterlife. Uh, kind of a... Uh, they try to play it off as a non-specific religion stereotype sort mm-hmm. of deal, but it's an obvious heaven and hell or at uh, analogy. Uh, so they're all dead. Uh, and Eleanor is basically finds out that there's somebody else named Eleanor Shellstrop who was not, di- who has died. Mm-hmm. They're all supposed to be in heaven mm-hmm. and she was a terrible person. Gotcha. Gotcha. So there's so a she, general gist so that she, she's not supposed to be there, right? Like, or it was right. an accident or whatever. Gotcha. So, and then she tells Chidi, who is supposed to be her soulmate, and now Chidi is basically trying to teach her how to be a good person. Chidi's a philosopher, right? Like in yeah. in the living plane or whatever. He was a, he was a philosopher in his regular life. Yep. Cool. Uh, and then the big uh, the big giant twist in the show is at the end of the first season, you find out they're all in hell, nice. and none of them were good people, and they're all being tortured. Sure. Well, of course, good person is by the standards of whatever entities are determining what is sure. good or bad. Yeah. Well, with all that introduced, I'm going to go ahead and start the show and hit play right now. All right, so we, we introduce, we've got Cheaty. He's like a tall, handsome black man, wears these cool Coke, Coke bottle flames. He's standing in front of a chalkboard trying to explain to Eleanor, played by uh, Kristen Bell, um, uh, trying to talk to her about ethics. He's, he's teaching her an ethics lesson. So, and she's not paying attention. She's like, uh, she kind of brings up a point. Who died and left Aristotle in charge of ethics? <laughs> and he Plato. points at Plato. <laughs> right. 
So, <laughs> so because back then it was all a a, ma a white male's game there. Uh, literally inherited. So, so I actually don't know like what is the level of whiteness of of Socrates and Aristotle. Like I've I've always it's always like been presented. You see a picture of like a dude wearing a toga that has like a long beard. But like they were Greek, right? So like, is like how how white is is ancient Greece? I guess. Uh, well, I guess well, that depends on what you're defining as white. Yeah. <laughs> they're, they're certainly considered by like the you know identity Europa kind of crowd to be the the fathers yeah. of Western culture and civilization. So mm -hmm. I think if they're not white, white, they're certainly honorary. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so. So we've got uh, a Jamila uh, or Tahani Al Jamil in the character's name. Who's played by Jamila Jamil? Walks in. She's carrying a plant and is trying to do something nice, I guess, because they're in in quote unquote heaven. And Sochidi and, and uh, Eleanor are trying to figure out, uh, you know, how they're supposed to navigate all this stuff. We get the title card. It's just a green screen with the words "The Good Place" created by Michael Schur on it. Very minimalist title card. So we got the uh, Ted Danson introduced as he's like the architect or something, right? Yep. And he's supposed to be like kind of god figure, although yeah. you find out later on he's actually a uh, a demon. Gotcha. So, but but in this context. As far as the viewer knows right now, they think that he's like this angel or some kind of architect of yeah. the good place. Yeah. And there's a running gag that they love frozen yogurt. <laughs> After life is like, there's like this really good frozen yogurt everywhere. So um, he's sitting here at the table talking with Chidi now about uh, what his manuscript was that he worked on, his thesis or what have you, dissertation. So... So uh, Ted Danson, his character's name's Michael, right? Um, yep. And so he's he's trying to tell Chidi he needs to try some new things now that he's in heaven. He he needs to try new things because one of his Chidi's main character flaws or whatever was that he is indecisive. That's like a running gag. Yeah. So, well, well, that and he's he's pretty much a strict Kantian. Okay. So what does that mean? So Kantianism is a philosophy where if something is wrong, it's wrong in all cases. So if it's wrong to steal, it's wrong to steal in all cases. Okay. So that has, you know, without taking into account situations and extenuating factors, that can kind of be taken to some extreme places. Mm. Like, mm. if it's wrong to disobey the state, for example, oh. it's always wrong to disobey the state. And sure. in the first couple of episodes, he really kind of struggles with that, because when he finds out Eleanor's not supposed to be there... Mm. He's like, I should tell. Like, I'm a, like, I, yeah. rat out this person. Puts him in a state of crisis to try and figure it yeah. out. So, so now they're in, they're in Tahani's afterlife mansion that she's given, which is, is an interesting gag. Like, they're supposed to be given like the perfect living space that matches their personality or whatever. And yep. uh, Tahani's character is like a rich person in her main life socialite so, yeah oh, she's yeah. A socialite yeah and uh there's another character that 
they're supposed to be matched with their soulmate or what have you. And at this point, they think this character named John Yu uh, is a, a monk that has taken a vow of silence. Uh, but of course, we find out later that that's uh, actually Jason Mendoza. And not only does he not have a vow of silence, he's not a monk. He's just another, you know, character that's in the wrong place. So they're uh little little bit of cultural hegemony here I would say in the women are always competitive and scheming with each other thing. Yeah. But also within the context they're all terrible people, so right. you know it's a, yeah. regardless of gender, they would probably be doing that anyway. And it's also interesting too, they kind of hint at, at uh at Eleanor's character being bi a number of times. Like they they I don't oh, know yeah. if they ever come out and say it outright, but she mentions like you know, wow, she's hot, or just like that description just then, she described Tahani as, like, being gorgeous and having cappuccino skin and curves everywhere, etc. Like, but, and then she just calls her a two-faced calculating phony bitch, and the plant, like, dies, and its leaves slough off and all that stuff, so. So, again, the hegemony is there, though, like, oh, yeah, these women are catty, they're going to argue with each other, things like that, but, yeah, I don't know. It's like you said, it's hard to tell what of that is the Jiminy and what of it is their characters just supposed to be terrible people, you know? Yeah. Either way, it's there and it's normal, you know? Yeah. Tahani's introducing, I was born in Pakistan, I was uh, raised in London. I think the primary reason I came to the good place is because I raised a lot of money for charity. <laughs> Which, and, all of that is true. Like, the, the reason she's a, a quote-unquote bad person... It's because none of her motives behind any of this were pure. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Like they were, they were all just to get attention for herself. Right. It was yeah. a, it was a very superficial. And I mean, we we see that time and time again, the quote unquote philanthropy uh, that you know people. Bill fucking Gates. Bill Gates has been in the news yeah. a lot. Yeah. Bill Gates, uh, and you know he's got he he him and and uh, Melinda Gates has announced their divorce recently, but. This has been a major topic on the left. Uh, Bill Gates. Is Bill Gates a good guy? Well, you know. No, he's a billionaire. We know the answer to that. Because, <laughs> you know, he's a billionaire. And, uh, you know, you, you can't really... The, the ideas are mutually at odds. Like, how can you... How can you have this much wealth or this much value or whatever you want to call it and, you know, also be... It's been coming out more in the news. Like, oh, okay, well, he's, you know, trying to restrict access for... You know, developing countries that to get access to the vaccine. He's trying to, yeah, yeah. So yeah, philanthropy is not the road to heaven. Philanthropy is not. Yeah, yeah. If heaven exists, which it doesn't, but if if it did, there would, the road to it would not be through donating to charity for sure. No, in this case, it's literally a road to hell. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is. Uh, so I, I, sorry, I've talked over the plot motive here, but we are. This is a flashback, right? Where, where Eleanor yeah. is showing this terrible thing that she did. She framed somebody on a. Uh, she's, like, outing a. Did she? Well, I, she I, she's going to a a, a a a coffee shop, and her boyfriend is saying, "Well, it's we shouldn't go here because this guy gropes people." Does he? Did, was he actually doing that, or did she frame oh, yeah, him? Yeah, yeah. How he was doing no, no, no. it. She didn't frame him for it. That that would. Like, she's just, she doesn't care. Oh, I got you. I got you. She doesn't care. She's still going to the coffee shop place, even though there's a known right. sexual predator there, is the gist of it. Hmm. Uh, this right here, I think we skipped over it the first time, 
what Michael's doing is he's literally rewriting Janet's personality mm-hmm. to be more friendly in different ways. Like every time she pops up, he's done something different. I see. <laughs> and she did kind of a direct analogy for hegemony. She did literally rewriting her personality. She did also uh, say something about Columbus being bad because of all the raping and genocide. That's interesting. Yes. Yeah. A little bit of wokeness in the hegemony there. Uh, yeah. I guess lib wokeness. <laughs> like I mean, yeah. but it's real though. I mean, this is a the t- the oh, more yeah. that we can normalize this sort of stuff, like the you know the better off we'll be. Hell, he'd be in it for sure. I think. Infuriating that I live in a town named after him. Oh yeah. Oh man, there's so we many. We really things. need to change the name of this place to the namesake to Chris Columbus, the uh, beloved uh, film producer, the Home Alone guy, right? Yep. <laughs> That's, and the Goonies. They they should they should do that. The better Columbus of the two, for sure. Yep. <laughs> That's it. Columbus Day is now a day to just stay home and watch Home Alone. <laughs> yep. <laughs> okay, so. Where are we now? We've 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 skipped around a lot. I mean, they're in they're in quote yeah, unquote just, heaven. Uh, so she's just kind of hanging out with uh, Tahani. I see. Trying, oh. she's trying. What she's doing is she's trying to expose her as being a bad person. So she ate that uh, scone. She ate the scone and said, "Oh, fork, that's good." Running gag in the show. They can't say the f word. They can't cuss at all. Like they can't <laughs> even say. They can't say anything. All their cuss words automatically get changed to other words so they get censored even in heaven in the in the place beyond your wildest dreams you can't like there's some words that are off limits like silliness silliness and and yet again another hint that kind of like maybe this this place isn't heaven after all i don't know what is happening now chidi i'm wondering janet uh, oh we didn't even change her personality once again so that she's more friendly but it it went too far into overt sexuality. So we started talking about Janet earlier. Can you bring us up to speed on what or who Janet yeah. is? Janet is kind of like a an Alexa that will bring you anything you want. There you go. Uh, they kind of stole her from the good place to make it all seem authentic. I see. So she's so, like Amazon, except free. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. Uh, Janet is sort of like a living, a living Siri, a living Alexa sort of thing, or not living. She yeah. one of her catchphrases is "I'm not a robot and I'm not a girl." Like she's just a a, a humanized form of the the omniscient presence of you know yep. the thing that can get you anything in heaven or whatever. Yeah, basically a magic wish granting device. Yeah. Right. Okay. So. Eleanor has found uh, Tahani's uh, diary and is trying to out her. <laughs> I love Janet, man. Uh, Janet is my favorite character in the whole thing. Like, she's uh, she's working a bench grinder right now. <laughs> They're in a workshop trying to get Chidi to try new stuff, and uh, Janet is uh, using a a bench grinder to like grind down a piece of steel for some reason. <laughs> and she's like, "Don't be a baby. It can't hurt you." Yeah, every time you see Janet in this episode, Michael has changed her personality to be something something different. That's interesting, because, you know, even in, in this point, even in heaven, like, there's a, there is a form of hegemony. Like, you're still, I mean, because of course there would be, you're... You still have a hierarchy. Yeah, if you yeah. believe in heaven, then you believe in the hierarchy of being. Like, so there's yeah. got to be a ruler, there's got to be a god, you know, and... Even in this case, even in our wildest dreams, 
we can't imagine a, a, an afterlife existence without someone telling us what to do. <laughs> like I find Gene, that Gene is kind of Gene just kind of goes with it because he he's subservient to the authority figure. Mm, mm. Right, almost all cases. So clearly, here this is a little bit of foreshadowing. Uh, Michael Ted Danson character is 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 trying to instill some sort of like indecisiveness into Chidi, specifically to torture him. Um, we don't. Yep. The viewer doesn't know this at the time, uh, but you're still just kind of like laughing at the fact that Chidi is, you know, at odds with not being able to decide what to do. And uh, Michael's just sort of like, ah, doesn't that, isn't it terrible when you can't decide something and it just grinds at you and you, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Uh, so they, they keep going back to this plant that Tahani brought to the, uh, <laughs> to the to their apartment or apartment whatever <laughs> even in my heaven we live in apartments we have landlords in heaven <laughs> ah, i'm brain rotten i can feel my brain rotting as i'm watching it <laughs> see that's that's the first clue that it's hell <laughs> yeah right <laughs> mm, good lord okay so the <laughs> the tree <laughs> catches on fire when she says something. She says, uh, Tahani is really a bad person or whatever. She's trying to blame her. Yeah, well, the running joke is that the, the tree is sort of a metaphor for her relationship with Tahani. Yeah. And she stole that jerk doing a bad act in bad faith against Tahani, so mm -hmm. it catches on fire. Right, gotcha. And Chidi's trying to explain that to... Chidi, in character, is trying to explain it to Eleanor the way that we're trying to explain it to the listener. Kind of funny. Yeah. We've gone full meta now. The show has recursed onto itself. <laughs> so, Chidi is convinced now that Eleanor doesn't belong here. And, of course, he's convinced because she's, like, outright came to him and was like, I, I don't, I'm not supposed to be here. What's interesting is that at no point before the end does Chidi figure out that he's not supposed to be here. Right, right, right. Which is interesting, too, because it's like, I think that we do that a lot as philosophy people. I think we sort of impart philosophy onto our surroundings, but we don't really ever turn it inward as much as we should. Yeah. You know? like, And I think that Chidi's a pretty good example of that. Like, he is... You see him trying to apply these philosophical concepts to everyone else around him, except for him yeah, himself. Like, you know? you're up, like Tahani's not supposed to be here because she was self-centered. Mm -hmm. Eleanor obviously wasn't supposed to be there. So there's a good bit going on in their conversation right now where they're, yeah. um, she's arguing to her boyfriend that everything that they enjoy is problematic. She's talking about like a sports team. She can't go there because mm -hmm. what the players have been accused of. Oh, they can't watch her own Polanski movie. They can't check play. And so she's making the argument to her boyfriend when she was still alive that uh, everything is bad and everything is problematic, which is, uh, mm. I don't know that she would recognize it as such, but she's kind of making a, you know, no ethical consumption under capitalism mm. kind of mm. argument. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's interesting, too, because, you know, I think Eleanor's character is complex because she is supposed to be this, you know, bad person quote unquote and is you know not smart quote unquote yet she's kind of sometimes is can be one of the most base characters in the show because she yep. is authentic she's an authentic person she she's self-motivated but she knows that she is 
And she realizes the absurdity of existence and kind of like, look, I can't do any of this stuff. If I if I live completely ethically in every way, I will just stay in my room and never leave. You know, like that's it. It's the difference yeah. between me having a meaningful existence and an ethical existence is joy in life. <laughs> you know, like yeah. so. I don't one, know. Of the, one of the themes of the show is that the there, like there's a, a literal point system as to whether you get into the good place or the bad place, and the uh, what you find out in like season two or three is that nobody has gotten into heaven for the last like several hundred years because it's impossible to be good under capitalism, and this point system is kind of an arbitrary deal. Like it only cares about like it's it's Kantian in its in itself. It's it only cares about the actions. It doesn't care about right. circumstances or anything. It's just you did this. That's a negative point right. for you. Well, th- you know what? I wish we would have done the Doug Forsett episode now too. That uh, yeah. if you remember that yeah, one yeah. later on, I've seen the show very recently. It came out recently, so I, uh, I I remember that one more clearly. And for the for the listener, the Doug Forsett character is basically the the joke is he's the one guy that figured out the system and learned how to like yep. gig the system or whatever, and. There's an episode where they actually find this Doug Forsett guy, and they follow him around, and he like wears himself completely out trying to live as ethically as possible. Like he he leaves no carbon footprint. He grows his own food. Like he does everything, and and every single decision that he's making, from you know stepping on a a, a beetle, you know, to the way he treats other people, the way he lives his life is to min-max the point system. And he's he's yep. miserable. He lives a miserable existence. He's like, he has this fake toxic positivity sort of smile on his face. And he's just like, well, this is what I have to do to get into the good place, you know? And it's, uh, it's very depressing, but it's also kind of like important to know. We, I, me and Nova were talking about this a while ago, like how the despair is something that, is kind of sold to us by our leaders. Yeah. And I'd be kind of interested to, to, to expand on that a little bit more on your thoughts of it. Cause, um, yeah, I will be, I, uh, I, 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 uh, I, I've kind of come to see that that's, that happens a lot in our cultural hegemony and it's very pervasive in this show. I mean, I, I think they try to comment on it, especially with the Doug Forsett episode, but they do. Oh, yeah, they're trying to too. comment on it. They're trying to find ways to overcome it, but it is such a struggle mm. and it's, you know, it's a mountain that they're constantly climbing. Mm. So. so the, the, the plant we're back in the show. Now the plant is in full bloom uh, because she's made amends with Tahani and, you know, hugged and made up and all that stuff. And, and, and now Janet is back to normal. The best Janet was the Janet that was inside Janet all along. So uh, Michael is still, you know, controlling her or whatever. But <laughs> she does the liberal thing. Like, I, I'm living my truth and creating my bliss. <laughs> you know, like, which is kind of funny because, like, uh, Jamila Jamil is, like, one of the biggest, like, like uh, presences, like, liberal presences on Twitter and Instagram and stuff. Like, she's... She says, and and it, I think that it's authentic. I, personally, like I follow uh, Jamila Jamil, and I think that what she's doing is good and positive. But it's just kind of like, in my opinion, is a very surface level uh, discussion of the world's problems. If that makes any sense, yeah. Like, I 
All right, so we're back to she's got a note that said, "What did I miss?" I know what you did. I know what you did. I so you did last summer. Pepperidge Farm knows. <laughs> right. Pepperidge Farm is going to keep it to itself. <laughs> back to Family Guy episode. Um. So what the fork, man? You sent me these threatening notes. It was a uh, Jin Yang, the Buddhist monk that we've already spoiled again. Uh, he determined that you know I don't belong here, and then you know, she's like, "I'm trying to be a good person, and I'm changing for the better. Don't rat me out." And John uh, <laughs> Yu very pensively is like, "Don't worry, I won't. I'm not supposed to be here either. I don't know what's going on. I have no idea how I got here. I'm freaking out." So he, <laughs> the the major twist of this episode is like the. John, you reveal is not who he's supposed to be. Then we get the end card for Emulon. Get we're on Swanson's uh, velvety voice. Oh wow, that one moved fast. Uh, a lot of stuff in this episode. Yep. What do we think? Uh, did we lose Jake? I think we, we did. We should, we we lost Jake entirely early on. Uh, yeah. No, I, I've been here, but my mic is continually going in and out, so I don't want to start talking and then cut out. Oh, you're good. You're good. It's good we, to, we good to hear from you. Minute. We have a, a extended chat time after the episode's finished, too, so now's a good time yeah. to kind of unpack any thoughts that you, uh, you might have had during it. Uh, yeah, what did you think of the episode at large? Uh, like, previous to watching this, I'd only really ever seen the first, uh, like, first half of the first season okay <laughs> but uh i know when you started get when you guys started bringing up capitalism like do they expressly state like the effect of capitalism on like the different planes or is that just something that you guys like read into oh that that happens li in later seasons uh after i think like season two or three so uh, yeah basically, yeah one of the big things about the show is that you know we the, one of the major components of the show is that we look into not just not just the systems under capitalism, but we look at co all cultural hegemony. Cultural hegemony can exist outside of capitalism <clears throat> as well, and we've seen this, yeah. you know, throughout history. It, it happens in communist societies too. But um, there's a specific brand of it that we are all very familiar with, and it comes through in American sitcoms. It bleeds through in ways that most people probably wouldn't realize. The Good Place is interesting because it creates this world that's like, okay, this isn't America. This is outside. This is infinite, uh, you know, afterlife world. And yet, still, all the frameworks and stuff in place are kind of just sort of familiar to American capitalism, you know? It should not be understated how the entire set is pretty much uh what's the word here for it um it, it's, it's very white america yeah like, super white america. middle america is yeah. a common term for it yeah. it's sort of it sort of looks like a per parisian like a, a village sort of thing like there's cobblestone walkways and stuff so i, I imagine it's sort of supposed to be like the like a white person's like a middle class white person's dream honestly because that's the that's the thing you always hear like we're gonna go to Paris we're gonna see that you know see the you know, the Paris effect sort of thing yeah as far as uh, capitalism within the cosmology of the good place and I don't remember the later seasons that well so uh, correct me if I'm wrong on this Gendo but I think uh, what they get into when they talk about the point system is kind of how within the capitalist system 
everything in it is predicated upon you know misery somewhere. Yeah, like, the, like you can't the live Lithium, life in 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 capital. Yeah. The, the Lithium in your cell phone was probably mined by child miners yeah. in Africa. Mm. You right. know, there's uh, yeah, they literally go through that and how many points you lose by buying a cell phone because of all of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's a it is an in-universe direct critique of capitalism there and of the damage that we do to the world and to each other by participating in it. But then, you know, because we're alive in the world and that's the, the Doug episode you're talking about, mm. you know, we don't really have we don't actually have that much of a choice in our day to day lives about participating in it or not. So mm. we're all made complicit in this global network of you know misery basically mm-hmm. that works to exploit pain in the rest of the world and turn that into like luxury goods here in the US. Mm-hmm. Yep. And also just, you know, the 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 idea that, you know, somebody has conscripted that suffering and put it kind of out of sight, out of mind for us. And it's been sort of marketed to us as a the the only way there is to live. Like you can't yeah. You can't live without a cell phone now. Well, if you buy a cell phone, you're inherently, you know, doing something immoral or unethical because, you know, the, the there was a slave that had to mine the lithium somewhere overseas that you didn't see. But we're not going to talk about that when we sell you the cell phone. We're just going to say, you know, that this is the way it goes. And, you know. Yep. So I hope that answers your question. One of the least fun parts of being a leftist is the uh, growing, dawning, horrifying realization of all this. Yeah, for sure. And and again, it's kind of like, well, well, what's the what's the what's the alternative? You know, how can there are a lot of alternatives for sure. And um, one of the main ones is that I, I guess we got into a discussion with somebody on with uh, someone on Twitter about this today. They they were getting frustrated because they said I I'm tired of this rhetoric that. The, the best way that we can topple capitalism is to is to grow your own food something like that and I and I and I kind of thought about that for a second I'm like you know I, I grow my own food or I try to you know I mean I, I wish I had enough you know land to do that I can't because it's already owned by everyone whatever uh, but I, I sort of get where they're coming from like uh, you know there's already enough food to go around it's already being grown it's already being distributed. Um, yeah. But it's also being hoarded and thrown away and protected by armed guards. Uh, you know, the dumpster yeah. outside the back of the mire, uh, they literally had cops arm, like armed armed to the teeth to keep the unhoused from digging through the dumpster. Yeah. Well, not just that, but like the, the guy that invented uh, industrial fertilizer, uh, ammonia-based fertilizer, which is responsible for us being able to produce as much food as we need, like without this guy, like, half of humanity would be dead right now because we wouldn't be able to grow enough food. Mm. He's the same guy that created chemical weapons. Mm. Right. So. Huh. So yeah, it's a, it's a, uh, it's a complex bag for sure. Yeah. So, you know, really I, I, the way I always look at it is the best that we can do is the best that we're able to do with what we have. You know, we're, we live in the world and we're part of it and we got to do the best we can to make it, better for as many other people as we can mm. so 
Yeah, it's uh, that it's like the classic, uh, <laughs> uh, the 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 Ben Shapiro thing. Yet you participate in it. Curious, you know, like uh, <laughs> the, the the comic or whatever, where it's like, yeah. we should improve society somewhat, and yet you participate yeah. in it. <clears throat> <Yeah>. Owned. <laughs> yep. All righty, y'all. Well, that's a good one. I mean, I think that there there's definitely a lot to unpack. We could go a lot longer talking about the the different hegemonic components of that, but I think that the you know, we we've touched on some good points and given me some, given myself, I guess, some good things to think about. So, um, with that, I mean, I feel like it's a good time to go ahead and wrap it up. Um, if we, uh, any of our listeners out there have got some ideas for a show they want to hear us do, uh, we're at HedgePod. That's H E G E P O D. Um, we're HedgePod at Gmail dot com. Uh, send us some ideas. If you if you have any feedback or critiques about the show, uh, by all means, send it forward. Any content warnings that we may have missed, uh, let me know. I can go back and patch them in sometimes, or uh, you know, I I miss them sometimes. There's a lot there's a lot going on, and my lens of the world is, is somewhat narrow when it comes to uh, you know considering other people's trauma and stuff like that. So I don't ever want to miss that. If somebody hears the show and they notice something that needs a content warning, by all means, just send us a message. Uh, Just at us on Twitter and say, hey, I I really think that you should have, you know, pointed this out to me. I'm hoping that my uh, spoiler alert (laughs) at the beginning of this episode is sufficient because if anyone listens to this that had interest in watching The uh, the Good Place as a series, we just wrecked their world probably because uh, (laughs) it was major spoilers big time. So with that one, uh, I guess we'll go ahead and call it there. Looking forward to doing the next one. We'll see you the next time. All right.